chapter 6, verses 22 to 27. Listen now to the word of the Lord. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. This is the word of the Lord. The Lord be with you. Welcome. It's good to see you all. Uh, let's pray together. Lord, we thank you once again for this time to gather in your presence um, through Zoom, as well as uh, being physically together. And we ask now once again in the hearing of your word, uh, you would move in our hearts, help us to trust you more and more. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. This is now the 10th and final sermon in this series of sermons I've been preaching on the topic of worship. My desire throughout this series has been to impress upon you the importance of worship, especially during the season of interrupted worship. My hope and prayer has been to stir up in you an appetite for in-person worship, or what we used to just call worship. Recently, someone, um, not from our church, mentioned how much they preferred Zoom worship over in-person worship and that they never wanted to go back to in-person worship. They like it a lot better because they can just watch it at home in their pajamas and they don't have to deal with people. I suspect that they're not the only ones and I thought I should warn you. Catching a sermon online on your own can be beneficial, but it is not the same thing as worship. Don't lose your way and don't fool yourself into thinking that corporate Sunday worship is somehow optional or that careless half-hearted attention to a sermon is an acceptable substitute for worshiping God. God is to be revered in worship not a curiosity to be considered lazily at your convenience. Of course, I understand that if you are uncomfortable about health and safety and you want to be extra cautious about going uh, to the church, but if you are now comfortable with indoor dining or going to the gym or to the movies, which are all now open at 25% capacity, same as the church, you ought to be at least as comfortable, if not more, coming back to church. I know it requires more effort to get to church, to get up earlier. But I remind you that's what you used to do. I know it's more comfortable in your homes. I know many of you are just plain tired these days. But we are called to be the one body of Christ, to demonstrate a new way of being and being together. Our shared corporate worship is a fundamental act 
that both binds and forms us. So let's make sure that the worship of God is central to our being and our life together. So to review one last time, we've been considering three aspects of worship. The first is the posture of the body, that worship in both Greek and Hebrew understanding requires a kind of physical posture in worship, that of kneeling and of bowing. It puts us in a position of reverence. And again, I would say it's very hard to do that if you're in your pajamas. Secondly, worship requires an entire orientation of life in spirit and truth that we are to worship with clean hands and a pure heart. And thirdly, worship is what we do together when we gather for Sunday worship in liturgy. We talked about baptism bringing us into the family of God, as Pastor Doi talked about today, that this baptism is our initiation into God's family, a covenantal sign given to us, the promise. And then as we enter into baptism, it is a sign of our trust of God's promises. Prayer, the prayer of confession. We pray because we trust that God hears us, that God forgives us. We sing praises, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs as another form of prayer to God. And then the proclamation of the word, the importance of hearing the word of God and the sermon and communion, that we are to discern the body of Jesus as well as the body of Christ, the church. And last week we talked about offering, not just tithes, but about the giving of other ways with intentionality and with creativity. And so today I wanna to finish up the series by talking about the benediction. Zoom services have been challenging and are severely inadequate in many ways. I don't need to tell you that probably. However, there is one thing about Zoom services that I've been really thankful for. When we used to have in-person services, I would normally give the benediction at the end of the service and I would walk to the back of the chapel as our choir sang the closing benediction. So I never got to see your faces as the benediction was being sung. But on Zoom, I get to see many faces. Even though they're pretty small on my laptop screen right now, I get to see a lot of faces, and especially the faces of the children singing along with our virtual choir, and a few even dancing along with it sometimes. And I, I really love that. I love seeing people um, just singing the benediction and loving that. I've also uh, been very much enjoying some of the videos that some of the parents have posted of the youngest members of our church um, singing the benediction outside of the worship um, context. And you know, even if they don't know all the words, you know, just singing along with the tune, I, I just love watching those. And when we first switched to this a virtual a format, we didn't have our choir singing that virtual, um, uh, the, the benediction. And so I remember how happy we all were when we finally heard our choir uh, sing that and we were able to add that to our service. And someone said to me afterwards that the worship didn't seem complete without hearing our choir sing that benediction. I couldn't agree more. And thanks to our choir and that benediction, the words of the scripture reading today ought to be very familiar to you. It's known as the Aaronic blessing 
or the priestly blessing. The blessing, as you heard, is framed by God's instructions to Aaron and his sons, the priests of Israel. Aaron and his sons have the awesome privilege of blessing the people of Israel with the words of God's blessing. They are charged with this task, but it is very clear that they are simply the messengers. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. God says, I will bless them. The blessings come from God. God is the one who blesses them. It is not about the power of the priest. It's not about whether you feel blessed or not. And it's certainly not about whether you think you deserve to be blessed or not. It is commanded by God and it is enacted by God. The blessing itself is threefold. There are three lines with three sets of paired actions by God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. The blessings are from the Lord. It is entirely the Lord's actions that lead to security, the Lord keep you. That leads to mercy, the Lord be gracious to you. And that leads to the well-being of all, the Lord give you peace or shalom. We can't see it in the English, but in the Hebrew, the three lines grow from three words to five words to seven words, from 12 to 14 to 16 syllables, and from 15 to 20 to 25 consonants, indicating this ever-growing and expansion of God's blessings. And I should also mention that the you here is in the singular, so even though the blessing is framed around the community of Israel, it is given to you directly and personally. Now, the idea of God wanting to bless his people is not a new idea that was suddenly given to Aaron and his um, sons for the people of Israel during their time of wandering in the wilderness. To bless has been God's intent from the very, very beginning. God repeatedly declared his creation good, and on the fifth day when God created the first living things, God blessed them, God blessed the animals, and God said, be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the sea, and let birds multiply on the earth. And then after God created the human beings, God gave this much fuller blessing. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God's blessing for humanity is to be fruitful, to pass on life and to have dominion or stewardship over the rest of God's creation. There's not nearly enough time for us to go over all the different ways and to all the different people that God blessed. But we can see in the promises that God gives to Abraham that through him, all the families of the earth would be blessed. Genesis 12, now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. 
This is God's desire. Blessing has been God's desire from the very beginning, and it is what awaits us in the future. Revelations 19, and the angel said to me, write this, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Revelation 22, behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is he who keeps the words, the words of the prophecy in this book. Blessing is God's will for us. And it is ultimately and fully fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Galatians 3 tells us, Christ redeemed us so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. And Ephesians 1 tells us, blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. God wants to bless us. If you forget everything else, please remember that God wants to bless you in Jesus Christ. Now, the word blessing, of course, gets tossed around quite carelessly. We mindlessly pray to God to bless this food, even though we know that it's just junk food that we're eating that, is not, that probably shouldn't be blessed. We superstitiously say, God bless you when someone sneezes, or we used to, like these days, I suppose if someone sneezes, we'll just run away. And we say, I feel blessed, when we really mean I got lucky or I feel happy. And it also doesn't help that the word blessing is a translation of a bunch of different words in the Bible. And the meaning of blessing, it's just, just been all kind of mushed together and conflated in our own minds. Now this morning, rather than trying to untangle the various nuances of the word translated as blessing, I want to consider instead this general idea of God blessing his people and say that blessing is associated with just about every good thing that is possible for us. Blessing can be having enough food for wealth or wealth or an abundance so that you can share with others. Blessing can be having children, a happy family, good health, a long life. Blessing can be victory over your enemies or um, having a good reputation among your peers in your community. Perhaps most importantly and essentially, a blessing is the declaration, the proclamation of God's favor for someone's good. It is the declaration, the pronouncement of God's favor for someone's good, as we heard in our scriptures today. This is why we call the blessing a benediction, a word that means simply to say something good. Back in May, uh, one of our elders sent me an email with a subject heading, Hawaii blessing. Hawaii blessing. My first thought when I saw the subject line was, oh no, there's another controversy like the Toronto blessing uh, from back in the 90s um, that was associated uh, with a vineyard church. I was glad to see that it wasn't. Instead, it was just a link to a viral video of a group of churches in Hawaii singing a song called The Blessing. I don't think they were the first to do it, and there are many, many similar collaborative online virtual choir renditions from different churches and languages and countries. I think there's hundreds of these, um, if you haven't heard it already. I mean, it's a great song. I re-listened to a bunch of them, um, different versions uh, this week, and I, and I still got chills, even though I've heard it so, so many times. 
Well, about a month ago, uh, a guy named uh, Josh Zetsich, who works as a translator, wrote an article in Christianity t Today about this phenomena with this song. Because the wor word bless in English gets translated, uh, translates uh, multiple different words in Hebrew and Greek from the Bible, he wanted to see how different languages translated or understood blessing. And so he took these words and then he back translated them uh, into English. Now, I don't know most of these languages that I'm about to show you, but it's really interesting to me how different cultures and languages try to get at the core of what it is to be blessed by God. For example, some, I'm just, just go through these because I don't know how to pronounce half these languages. Blessing can mean something like to think well of, or to make happy, or to cause to live as a chief, to sprinkle with a cool face, give good things, praise saying good things, or greatly love. I thought, you know, these are really interesting ways to think about what is a blessing. But the translation that I found most interesting is a Tagbanwa phrase, which is a language spoken in the Philippines. In that language, blessing back translates to caused to be pierced by words causing grace. Pierced by words causing grace. Isn't that good? When, when you say a word of blessing, you are piercing them with words to cause grace. I hope that's what happens every time you hear a benediction. That, that you're pierced to the core of your being with grace. You know, one of the great joys that I have as a pastor is that I get to give this benediction at the end of every service. I remember when I first got ordained, somehow giving that first benediction made me feel like I was now a real minister. It, it was like I've been given this new superpower to bless people. But it's not just a power reserved for ministers. It's true that in our reading, the command to bless is given to Aaron and to his sons, the priests of Israel. But we are now a priesthood of believers. We are all priests in Christ. All of you can give a word to one another, a word of blessing. In fact, you know, I, I love starting this sermon by saying, the Lord be with you and hearing you speak a word of benediction back to me. The Lord bless you. We all have that power and responsibility. And I think it's vital that we speak this blessing. And it's vital that we hear this blessing and to be pierced to our core with grace. Throughout the week, I know that the world tells you that you are not blessed, that we're living in a cursed time, that you are only worth what you can produce, that you must earn everything, and that you are somehow lacking in strength, in wealth, in looks, in height. The world tells you that you are not good enough, that you are not enough. But in worship and hearing a word of blessing, we are reminded of who we are and whose we are. We are reminded that we have been created to be blessed and that God has created us to be blessed and to bless one another. This blessing is not earned. It is simply to be received. 
I've noticed that some of you, when the benediction is given, you have this habit of holding your hands open like this to receive. I think, I think that's a good habit. It's putting your position in, in a way and recognizing it, acknowledging that you're coming with empty hands, that you have nothing, and that you're just going to receive now the good word of God. That's how we, that's how we come to worship, with emptiness. But we come and we receive a good word. And I'm so glad that many of our youngest members love the closing sung benediction. It's unlikely that they will remember much of what I or the other pastors uh, teach from week to week. But if the words of the benediction continue to ring in their ears for the rest of their days, if they know that God's word for them, their first word for God for them, is a word of blessing, then I have hope and confidence that they will continue to walk with Christ in the days to come. Let me close with this reminder and a challenge. First Peter 3 says this, Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. You and I are called to bless others, to declare God's favor to one another. And in doing so, we also will receive a blessing. And I want to challenge you to look for new ways to speak a word of blessing, to pierce those around you with words that cause grace. The other day, I watched a short four-minute film on Netflix called The Lucky Ones. It's part of a series called uh, Homemade, which showcases 17 different directors, uh, all making a little short film uh, from their homes in lockdown, you know, just using their iPhones and, and their families, with, so, with very limited resources. And The Lucky Ones uh, is told as a letter from a mother to her five-year-old son. And she begins this letter like this. Dear Wiley, when I was five, exactly your age now, I remember a strange time when no didn't exist and I was never in trouble. I remember jello pudding and eating ice cream to my heart's content. I remember mismatched socks, happy meals, happy meal toys, and tangled hair that no one forced me to brush. I remember trips to the car wash when the car was already clean, just to watch the water dance across the windshield. I remember my dad was now the one to tuck me in at night and read stories, although he usually fell asleep in a blur of words. I remember a room full of balloons, so many together that if I took hold, I would surely float away. In that room, teddy bears held rain. I could eat dessert for breakfast, and I always got to choose the channel on TV. It was seemingly such a magical time. But then she reveals this. I know now, many years later, that this incredible room was in a hospital and that my mom had been diagnosed with cancer. But I can no longer recall the beeping machines or the sickly smell of death and cleaning supplies. What I remember instead is the magical bed that ascended to the sky and fell back down to earth with the touch of a button. She continues with the hope that her son will similarly forget about the bad things of this season 
the isolation, the uncertainty, the fear of this pandemic. And then she says this, we are the lucky ones. We are the fortunate few with food on the table and enough savings to get by. We have a roof over our heads, a canyon in our backyard, and a car to transport us to remote destinations where the virus has not yet spread. Recognize our fortune, be grateful, but also be five. I do not want your heart to grow heavy when I can spare you that pain, just as my own mother spared mine. It's a wonderful blessing, isn't it? It's a powerful benediction. And it's something that wouldn't have been spoken without this lockdown. When so much of our speaking today has been about what has been lost, and clearly we have lost a lot, it's important to be even more emphatic with words of blessing with what we have received. Even though many of you may be rightly frustrated by the limitations and restrictions in your life right now, you can still offer a word of blessing. You can make a new benediction, a new word of blessing to pierce one another with grace-causing words. Scientists remind us that this, in fact, is the best environment to unleash your creativity. Creativity thrives in isolation and disconnection. Creativity flourishes in marginal spaces and liminal places. Those facing social exclusion, a feeling of being out of touch, facing hardships and disruptions in their lives, find that they have more freedom to be creative and innovative. As the Hawaii blessing and others that followed show us, as our own choir demonstrated with their benediction videos, and as films like The Lucky Ones prove, we can still declare words of blessing. In fact, whatever word of blessing you give in this season will probably be even more memorable. I hope that years from now, you and your children and our church can look back on this time, not with regret with all that we missed out on, but that we might remember a blessing, a new blessing, a new benediction that were spoken into our life during this season and the words that we were able to speak into the lives of others, the ways that we were able to pierce one another with grace. The Lucky Ones concludes with these words. So, my sweet boy, while the hurt of leaving your school without a proper goodbye is real, the boredom is frustrating, and the longing for your friends is valid, please hold tighter to the memories of sunset excursions, Cleo's laughter, slaying neon dragons, and an endless supply of ice cream. I think a sermon or anything else that ends or has a, the last word, an endless supply of ice cream is pretty good. But there is another word that's even better. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Let's pray together.
God, help us to receive your grace-causing words. Help us to be pierced to the core with your grace. To know that your desire for us, your will for us, is blessing. And as your people, God, help us to speak those same words of blessing into the lives of those around us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.